Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine This Week, where the talk's going to be all about labor relations, specifically the UAW's move to organize Volkswagen's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I've got three experts with me this morning to talk all about it. Bob Sheravelli is with the company Strategic Labor and Human Resources. Gary Klotz is with the legal firm Butzel Long. And Sean McElinden is with the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor. And great having all three of you here to talk about this issue Thank with me know. today. Sean, let me throw it out to you. What's your view of how the UAW is proceeding? Bob King said two years ago he was going to organize one of these plants. They seem to be getting some sort of traction at Volkswagen's plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. How do you see this unraveling? I think it's fairly likely they're going to get their... Um card check recognition in a, in a worker's council. And explain that. What would he mean, card check recognition? Well, under current uh, labor law, my, these guys are pretty good experts on this, but uh, if you get 51% of these uh, cards that by work, checked by workers publicly, right, you know, signed saying they're interested in joining the union, the company um, can recognize the union as the bargaining agent. Without going through uh, a vote, uh, a well, secret ballot Well, actually, the company can request the secret ballot. It's up to the company. Um, but if you have 51%, then it's up to the company to decide, I, want, I need a secret ballot, um, or I can accept the results of this car check where workers publicly sign it in the open, so in their names, I guess, on them. So, uh, and the reason that the company might do it, of course, is, is pressure. Uh, from the, you know, the Workers' Council and, and from Volkswagen in Germany, which Bob has worked on for years. Bob, or, or, uh, Gary, do you think that this uh, card check thing will be enough to get the UAW in? What, what's your sense? Uh, will Volkswagen say, no, we really want to have a vote on this? Well, Volkswagen has actually said both things. Uh, their head of the American group has said there will be a formal vote. Uh, their uh, people in Germany have said a vote would be unacceptable. So I'm not sure what they want, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure that the UAW will actually get 51%. They claim in early October of 51%, uh, and the anti-UAW group, within a couple of weeks, got about 600 people to revoke uh, their uh, authorization. So whether there will be a majority or not, uh, it's hard to tell. If they do get a majority, and if all the cards are valid, which means they, they've been signed within the past year, uh, then UA, uh, UAW can ask VW to recognize them voluntarily, and I believe VW would do that. Why do you think there's a difference between what the Volkswagen folks in the U.S. are saying and why is it different than what they might be saying in Germany? I think Sean alluded to it. I think it's union pressure from IG Metall in Germany. Uh, to the big union in big Germany. Union in Which Germany. is part of the, the, UA, or the, the Volkswagen board. It, yes, it is, and it's also a big part of the uh, Volkswagen Works Council. Uh, and I think that there is a lot of pressure uh, from German unions uh, to help the UAW get in. Bob, uh, what some of these workers have said, that this anti-UAW group that's sort of popped out of nowhere, it seems to me, they must be getting a lot of outside help in, in organizing this. Senator Bob Corker from Tennessee has really come out and said he doesn't want the union in there. So what's your read? Is this a, an organic sort of from the ground up anti-UAW movement or is it getting a lot of outside help? 
Well, it's definitely getting outside help. There's no shortage of expensive legal help. There's no shortage of groups that have a particular bias, in particular the National Right to Work um, Association or Council. But you have to understand, whether it goes through a government-certified process that the Labor Board runs or goes through one that's made by agreement through neutrality, there is a process. And when you have something that requires a show of support, whether it's a secret ballot election or the counting of cards, you want to make sure uh, the union and the company want to make sure that it is representative of the employee's desires. It's never going to be the company or the union that certifies it. It's going to be an employee decision. Under those circumstances, they're going to have some process in place, either a secret ballot election, which we don't think is going to happen here, or some neutral official that's going to actually count and authenticate the cards. The problem with the latter approach is it is open to bias and it's open to challenge. And with a group like the National Right to Work Association, they have a very, very strong political and legal arm that's going to take a very close look at it. Well, how does that work? Uh, as you mentioned, Sean, the UAW has said, hey, we've got 51 percent. Gary, as you said, now this anti-group has gotten 600 of them to maybe to revoke signing the, the union yes, card. By early October, that was. Oh, okay. So how does that work? I mean, if you sign the card, is that it? Or can you go and revoke what you sign? Well, you can revoke it. And that's the whole point of the uh, petitions that the anti-UAW group has been circulating, which they received from the National Right to Work uh, Legal Defense Fund. Uh, and they can revoke them as, until the employer acts on the original uh, cards that they signed. That hadn't happened uh, uh, as of now. Uh, the other problem with card check, as Sean alluded to, is that it's often done in public. It's also done by arm, often done by arm twisting, uh, and it's unreliable. Uh, the federal courts have said it's an unreliable method, and one federal judge a number of years ago said an employer would be gullible to accept uh, union recognition based on cards. Uh, and the union, the UAW card, says that the purpose of the card is to authorize UAW for collective bargaining. It says nothing about the Works Council, uh, and the union has been accused by the anti-UAW group of misleading employees about what the purpose of the card is, which is an extremely common union tactic. But we're in a political realm here. We're not in a purely legal realm. We're not in a purely economic realm. When you have a political process, you have hyperbole on both sides. And we can't forget the fact that what complicates this is it's in large part part of the structure of the European Works Council. And in, in 2009, VW entered into an agreement that said they would seek participation agreements worldwide. Mm. So this is completely in line and consistent with their corporate charter. And IG Metal is a player in this, even though they're very low level. I, I don't want to say low level. They're behind the scenes a little more. You know, if we didn't have a union there, IG Metal might say, well, um, United States continues to be a low cost producer compared to General Motors. They have every interest in this to see those wages and benefits go up. So do the employees. Um, but it's a, it's a really cool thing we're looking at here because in the 40s and 50s, it was not particularly unusual to see voluntary rec recognition. And even in my practice, some of my employers are seeking voluntary recognition because they understand the commercial part of it. But in the South, where there are so many different dynamics at work, um, I can't imagine this is going to go off uh, without something that's highly orchestrated. And let's not forget, 
uh, President King will be retiring in June of 2014, and if it's going to be on his watch, we know um, between now and then we have a good eight or nine months that they have all, all the time to get the pieces in, spot, in place. Hmm. So th this is very interesting. Volkswagen has said it wants works councils all around the world at all of its plants. The only place it does not have that is in the United States and China. So I, I can see where Volkswagen is under pressure to say we need works councils in the U.S. At, at their major plants, I, I think they actually have a several score smaller operations that aren't union worldwide. But, but, but explain to me how this yeah. works then. Does yeah. a works council have to be represented by a union or can it just be United by the States. workers themselves? In the United States. In the United States, yeah. uh, what they're trying to do is apply a German model to an American system of law and it's, it's not a good fit. Mm -mm. Uh, the Works Council would be, under American labor law, a labor organization. Uh, and VW would be violating the law by assisting or dominating that labor organization unless it had a labor union that agreed to participate in it. That's the American legal hang-up for VW that's trying to sidestep. What it's really trying to do is engage in top-down union organizing by saying, we want to have a Works Council in uh, Chattanooga we want to, we've identified the UAW uh, as our natural partner, according to VW, in March of, the, of this year. Uh, and they're helping the, uh, organize uh, the plant with the UAW. Uh, they, the, they are negotiating a, an agreement for a works council. They may be negotiating a framework for a collective bargaining agreement, even though they have no relationship mm. with UAW. They don't really care what the employees want. They say that publicly, but what they want is to get a works council in that facility, even if it means bringing in UAW with or without uh, the solid support of the employees. Now, this is why I brought you guys in, because this is where my knowledge is pretty thin. Isn't under Volkswagen's work council organization, which is really part of German law, it's not just Volkswagen, obviously, the works councils do not, if my understanding is right, you do not bargain over wages and benefits. No, you no, only no. bargain over work rules and schedules and things like that. Is, is that correct? That's my understanding. Uh, but work rules and schedules and things like that are a big part of what American labor unions bargain about, a big part of the contents of any collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Volkswagen has publicly stated that the UAW has agreed to relinquish some of those responsibilities to a works council. So they are already uh, negotiating how can we make a works council mesh with an American collective bargaining agreement. But, but I also understand under UAW bylaws, if it represents workers, it has to bargain for wages and benefits. That's the United States law. That, right. That's, but, that's but, federal labor but, law. So here's the big conflict, is that works councils can't bargain wages, and the UAW will represent the works council, but the UAW, by its own constitution, has to be able to bargain over wages. The UAW would bargain over wages and benefits, but it would not be bargaining over other things that the works council would typically cover, including vacations, work schedules, overtime, uh, and things of that nature. How UAW and VW will work that out, I'm not sure. But they are all terms and conditions of employment, and under our American labor law, those need to be hashed out in a give and take across a negotiating table with a bargaining agent. Now, people that are proponents of, uh, um, with, uh, are against the marriage between 
VW and UAW, say that we do have a developing labor law that allows for employee participation. And the two major cases on that are electromation and there were a series of cases with Polaroid. Both of them were non-union and both of them worked uh, with committee, with employee committees. And the labor board in both of those cases, both of those series of cases, overturned or said that those employee committees were illegal. That doesn't mean that VW couldn't have a legal employee advisory committee if they had the proper guidance to put them together to talk about certain things. Now, if I had to have a partner, I would pick the UAW in a second simply because my experience with them is they understand productivity. They've been beat about the head and shoulders in an industry that's been restructured since the early 80s. And they understand what productivity means and what lean means. There's not going to be any education there. So there's more than one way to cut this cat. Bob is absolutely correct. Uh, under American labor law, you can have um, advisory committees. But an advisory committee and a works council uh, would be totally different. And that's why VW is concerned that the works council idea would be illegal under American labor law without the UAW's involvement. And I think they have a legitimate concern there. But this sounds to me like, you know, the UAW might get in there and then this could be tied up in court for a long time as these different factions, neither Volkswagen nor the union, try to make their voices heard in it all. I think that's unlikely, John. I think that if the UAW gets majority support, uh, and obtains voluntary recognition, it will reach an agreement with Volkswagen for both a collective bargaining agreement and some form of works council or some form of modified collective bargaining agreement that may not be what they have with the uh, Detroit Three. So where do you all see the next steps going? Uh, the union claims it's got 51% cards. This new anti-union group says, no, we've gotten 600 of the, the workers to to, you know, just say no. And where does this go next? Well, I think the UAW has to be very careful about how they proceed. What uh, they basically reveal to the public is going to be very conscripted because they have a lot to lose if this goes down. Um, the VW area, I think it's uh, complicated by history and politics. I mean, if you look at the introduction of VW in the United States in, in the 70s, there were a whole lot of things that went wrong there. Some of them were the structure of the economics. Some of them were labor. That's, even though it's 25 years ago, it's still on people's mind. We have the politics. If things go badly in Tennessee, there's going to be a whole group of people that say, well, we lost work because they... Uh, unionized. I, I think it's very, very complicated, and I think um, it's mm. going to be wise for them to go slowly and poke when the striker's hot. Hmm. And of course, we've got two other German companies in That's the United right. States, Mercedes-Benz and BMW. I mean, they've, they must be watching this very Same closely. Same labor union in Germany, um, you know, different leadership. But, you know, basically this is Bob King, uh, as the first UAW leader to really recognize their central problem has been not globalization. But he also decided to do something about it. He's put more air miles on than any president since Walter Ruther. He's been to Korea. He's been to Japan. He's met with their labor unions. He's got the Koreans to make movements of support, their, their labor union. And obviously, he spent a ton of time in Germany. And obviously, if this is successful, it can pass on to BMW and probably more likely uh, Daimler's plant, Tuscaloosa. So they're watching this like hawks. 
okay? Um, Chattanooga has a few other problems. It's the lowest wage plant of any transplant. Uh, you know, it's top wage just a while ago was only 19.50 an hour after three years. Basically, that's the wage rate for second tier in Detroit for new hires, right? You started after at 14. Yeah. yeah. And they just let go 500 temporaries, you know, in June, uh, May and June when the Passat sales goals weren't realized, I guess. And uh, it's a relatively new labor force. Um, I think he's got a shot. I said that to start out with, and it can spread. And um, it is what Bob's worked sort of his whole for years on, you know. And there's a lot of, if it succeeds, there's going to be a lot of happy people in the union, and obviously maybe in Detroit as well at the companies. And he is the architect, really, of the widespread sure. use of neutrality mm -hmm. and negotiated recognition. And you really have to give him credit for that. And let's not forget, in this area, we have Freightliner Daimler. Mm -hmm. They're unionized under a neutrality agreement. And they came to that through a works council that was um, associated with uh, President Gettelfinger and Daimler, uh, Daimler Chrysler, DCX. So it's not that we're in completely uncharted territory. No, NUMI plant contract was very different for the union back in the mid-80s on, you know, the quality circles, the, so the participation of the union in selecting former, screening former GM workers to work in the plant, which borderlined on management, mm -hmm. which is, woo, Wagner Act, no-no. Well, and they, they, <laughs> yeah. they allowed them to blur the lines. Sure. And, and if you look at the concurring opinions in Electromation, mm -hmm. uh, one of the board members said, do we need to see our developing labor law here now start to recognize employee participation? I think Numi was a great example of what happens when you give uh, these companies and these unions a little bit of leeway. The employees responded. I think the product was basically good, wasn't it? The labor quality and productivity were excellent. Yeah. So I don't think it's a death knell to the business. I don't think it's a death knell to the state. But I think from a labor relations standpoint, it might be, I don't want to go so far as to say it's a tipping point. But if they get 2,300 new members there, I think people are going to look at it a little differently. But, of course, we're talking about Volkswagen, which seems to be somewhat sympathetic, or at least the German labor representatives on the, the board of advisors in Germany are looking favorably upon it. The UAW, Gary, is trying to get into Nissan in Mississippi, and uh, they're throwing all kinds of names around, uh, nasty names, and uh, they don't seem to be getting anywhere. They don't seem to be. And uh, getting back to the uh, German transplants, the head of Mercedes in Alabama has said, we don't need a German-style works council. And they've been in business for uh, 15 years in Alabama and have been non-union. Uh, BMW in South Carolina has been in business over 20 years. They have 7,000 employees in total, uh, and they don't have a union. So do they need uh, a works council? They have not publicly commented that I'm aware of on uh, the VW situation. Not yet, but you not know, yet. they have half their board of advisors is uh, labor. IG Metal or IG Metal are represented there, and they got to be talking amongst each other, right? I, I, I got to believe that they're talking amongst each other. That if Volkswagen and Chattanooga goes UAW, that same pressure will be placed on Daimler or Mercedes Benz and BMW. Well, the, the former head of manufacturing at Volkswagen and uh, Chattanooga has predicted that if Volkswagen went UAW, so would the other German transplants. Mm. Uh, I, I think that for VW suppliers in the Chattanooga area, uh, Volkswagen going uh, UAW is more of a threat to their non-union status than it is directly to BMW or Mercedes in Alabama. 
Do you have any idea what the multiplier effect for the suppliers around the VW campus would be down there? Well, essentially in the Chattanooga area, mm -hmm. you know, it's at least one direct supplier job for everyone in the plant, and then across the state, obviously somewhat higher than that. Not as high as Michigan, but you get close to a total with spinoff four multiplier. So if yeah. you add the 2,300, approximately sure. 2,300 people at the Chattanooga plant, yeah. and then you add, what, another five to 10,000 supplier community? Well, it's, it's tough to say what uh, is coming, uh, you know, <laughs> what's actually being built in Tennessee. And of course, a lot's right is, next door. You know, most of it comes from the states to border Tennessee. Well, yeah, yeah, and the economic effect of that goes sure. beyond just the local community. Now you're starting to see the UAW go from 380,000 members plus to maybe 400,000. But and, so, do you think oh, they have a chance? They're going to pick up the suppliers because exactly. they're direct, direct auto suppliers. Exactly. Right. Yep. Do you think that would happen? Uh, well, there's always an 800-pound gorilla in every business, isn't there? That's right, and, and, the, and the pressure would come from Volkswagen and IG Metall uh, to lean on Volkswagen suppliers, particularly if they're German-based. Well, Bosch is over the mountainside in South Carolina and then Greenville County, and I'll tell you, the South Carolinians. Rather than let BMW take this on, would fire in Fort Sumter, guaranteed. <laughs> that may be, but, you <laughs> This know. is the lowest unionization rate in America, yeah. and um, Three, far more fierce about it than even Tennessee. 3.3% yeah. in South Carolina. Yeah. The multiplier effect there is there's 7,000 uh, BMW jobs, mm -hmm. and in the supplier community in South Carolina alone, 16,000. Huge supplier community. And, of course, these German suppliers mm -hmm. face the same law where half of their board of supervisors are also labor. So there would be the pressure within these German suppliers to Well, organize, you might start right? to see investment tilt. I mean, Mercedes and BMW are already, uh, there's already rumblings of Mexican operations uh, being mentioned. And, obviously, there's a apparently a cross-utility at stake at the Volca Chattanooga plant, right? And uh, if too much UAW activity... And we've seen 13 billion in automaker investments announced in Mexico in the last two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, you know that's actually worrying the southern states now more than the UAW. Is why isn't that money coming to us? And but I don't think it's a union issue, right? No, because if you young. build cars, <laughs> if you build cars in Mexico, you're going to have a union there. So what's the difference? See, um, I, mean, I think the right. real difference is Mexico has Very more free trade agreements than any other country in the world. So if you want to use Mexico as a base of sure. export, it's brilliant to go to because you legally can export your cars more this easily. This is true for the countries. BMWs and the Mercedes who export 50% of their stuff outside of North America. And that's clearly going to be true for Audi. It's not true for the mass manufacturers, though. No. And, you know, Mexico is getting some kickback on some of those famous bilateral FTAs like Brazil. I think labor cost still has a big, and also a safer zone in Mexico has been identified supposedly, and we're seeing enormous, you know that, it'll be larger than Germany in, in vehicle production within a year and a half. And uh, these Southerners waited for this extra investment from Germany and Japan to finally move here, <laughs> and it missed them. It no, the UAW isn't part of it. It's a big disappointment. You know, for the UAW organizing their plants, they might think, we're not going to make things better, will it? Well, as I said earlier, the union only seems to be, the UAW seems to be making progress at Volkswagen Chattanooga solely because of support from Germany, Lots labor support from, yeah. uh, from Germany. Uh, the UAW is trying a whole bunch of other different organizing techniques, you know, 
doing training sessions. Uh, they're getting protests in Brazil, pro at the dealership level, protests against Nissan, for example, in Brazil for not organizing its plant in, in Mississippi. <coughs> do, do you all think that putting pressure outside of this country will help organize in here? That's a pretty far cry. I think really what you have to bank on with UAW always has solid long-term strategies. Um, and they are, they've been chipping away at this for a long, long time. I think anything that puts them in a positive light allows that um, person who may sign a card or might vote in an election that's a maybe say, you know, I'll give it a try. And we had this discussion last time we were here about when you're in a right-to-work state, you can pretty much say, well, I'll give it a try. If I don't like it, I'll, re I'll withdraw my support. So I think the UAW is an intelligent group of people. They have rock-solid strategies. Um, but in a complex environment like the VW um, Chattanooga UAW situation, it's hard to predict uh, if any one particular one is a silver bullet. You know, if they do have a majority of cards, and I bet you before they go to any type of card check, it's going to be way beyond 51%. That I think most unions have learned that they're not going to uh, bank on a 1% margin. Mm. Um, they'll be ready to um, have this thing go through, and I would agree with uh, Sean. I think there's probably a pretty decent chance we'll see an organization down there with UAW name on it. Well, this is going to be fascinating to watch because, you know, to your guys' point, it's a right-to-work state. So even if the union gets in, the workers can say, fine, but I'm not going to join the union. Now, legally, they can, they can mm -hmm. do so. Th this is going to be really interesting to watch. I, I think, Sean, you said it. There will be a lot of people up in Detroit who are not part of the union, like GM, Ford, and Chrysler, who would love to see their competitors get organized by the this union. This comes up in every major negotiation that we've um, heard of. Um, what are you doing about the transplants? Yeah. By the way, um, here's our comparative charts and tables, you know, and this would be obviously progress. Well, we've got to wrap this up, but I want to thank uh, Bob Sheravelli from Strategic Labor and Human Resources, Gary Klotz from Butzel Long, and Sean McElinden for the Center for Automotive Research. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge.